Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM. Streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com. Apple Store, YouTube, Music, Spotify, TuneIn, and all good podcast sites. Anthony the Bull Caruso back with you for as we continue our month of football. And just as we uh, previewed the competition for Euro 2021, we will now be wrapping up one of the major competitions that just finished overnight. It is the EPL wrap-up for season 2020-21. A weird and wonderful season. Some wonderful memories to come out of it. Some predictions that were made at the start of the year that were probably a little bit questionable at times. Let's see how we do compared to people on uh, certain websites like HITC Sports, for example. But to take us through it is our chief football analyst, the spicy chorizo himself, Dom Rizzuto. Good evening to you. Good evening, Bull. What an amazing season it's been. I know that... In the end, the four teams that you probably thought were going to finish in the top four finished in the top four. But by God, it was only for the last few days, in the last few weeks, that it ended up happening like that. And even for halfway through a season as well. Incredible games and action across uh, another breathtaking 36 weeks. But And it's a shame that it's all coming to an end. But I, for one, am very much looking forward to running the rule book through some of the teams and giving them a bit of a, a rating based on their season performances. And along with that, we do have a special guest joining us tonight. We have been developing quite a bit of a relationship with the Northern Suburbs Football Association. And tonight we continue that relationship as we are joined by one of the leading junior coaches from Northbridge FC, Sam Hodges. Good evening to you. G'day, guys. Thanks for having me on. Bit of a football fan, as we know, um, and we know you're, you're very uh, partial when it comes to cricket yourself, but we need to ask your allegiance to start off with, Sam. Oh, uh, West Ham. Oh, Hammond supporter. Supporter yeah, as well. Because the only, we can tell you now, the only other Hammond supporter we've ever had on this show is one Saskia Hawley, so you are in good company in that regard there, so, well... Without further ado, we're going to get into it. 20 teams, and Dom, we're going to go through our own ratings with regards to our predictions and also where these teams ended up. Now, we're going to do the same the system the same system we did last year. Two points if our prediction ends up bang on, and one point if we finish within one position of the predictions. Sam, you've got a very special role that you'll need to do for us today. You're going to be tallying those points as we go through, so hopefully you've got your pen and paper ready to go. As sure. we crack on for our wrap-up of EPL 2020-21. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Splinters. We're going to kick things off in alphabetical order, as we always do. And we're going to start off with Arsenal. Dom, you and I predicted this team to finish 7th. They've ended up finishing eighth, so we're going to start off the bat with 1.8, and what we're going to go for, do is each of these teams, we're going to go through what went well, what didn't go well, and what they need to do for next season. For mine, what went well for them, I thought, Dom, was that they finished the season very well, five from five, and they were carried up front by the excellent form by Alexander Lacazette. What went well for Arsenal? Not a lot, really. The fact that they finished seventh, I think, glossed over a, a lot of issues that they have in that squad where, and they were very much undone by some poor results and some historic results as well. I mean, on a personal note, as a big Aston Villa fan, as we all know, losing twice to Villa in a season for the first time since God knows when before I was born, that's for sure, is, is not a good thing for a club of Arsenal stature. Um, they had some moments, obviously, I think the uncovering of Elliot Smith Rowe was, it was a great signing. They bought Martin Odegaard in on loan, which was, Proved to be quite a decent pickup during the season. Uh, Bukayo Sako, or Saka, I should say, looks uh, like a star of the future. So there, are, and Kieran Tinier, when he was actually on the field, really provided some much needed go forward for that squad that really just looked bereft of ideas a lot at the time. And I, I think that uh, seventh was rather flattering for them in the end. Uh, sorry, eighth, I should say. 
rather flattering. And I don't know where they can go from here. Uh, some serious recruitment for Mikel Arteta in the summer is needed. And he needs results fast come next year as well if he wants to remain at the helm uh, for two for much longer uh, in a in a gunner's shirt. And Sam, one of the one of the things that's often been talked about is the the mood of some of the players at the moment. We know that Pierre Emerick Aubameyang is looking on the way out, but there's rumours going around he could end up in a similar situation where he's going to be paid to sit on the couch, much like the often maligned as of late Mesut Ozil. Yeah, I guess it it shows a lot about his character if he decides to stay for a club finishing eighth and getting paid 300 grand a week. But also that kind of money, it's hard to say no. I guess we'll see what happens. Where do we think? Where do we think we need? They need to go. Dom, you've spoken about recruitment. I've identified in particular that I think they just need to blow up the defence and start again. And it needs to start, I think, with David Luiz and, to a lesser extent, even though he's not that much of a defender, Willian need to be moved on without delay. Yeah, well, David Luiz has wrapped up. He's, that was his final game. He is moving on. Willian almost certainly will go. That's another mark against their season. The, the, the recruitment at the start of the season was appalling by Arsenal, and it hasn't worked out. They need to find an answer to Abebiang fast because his form this year was the reason why they weren't battling for Champions League places. You know, they actually had to rely more on Lacazette, and they haven't been able to get to the two of them firing since they brought them both on board. I think that they need to kind of bite the bullet a little bit, and I've been saying this for a while on, on the bench and on splinters, that they can't work together, and I think with both of them there, it doesn't work. I think one needs to be kind of the alpha within that squad, and this year it didn't look like it was going to be Aubameyang, I think they could cut their losses losses on him, work on that youth development they have coming through, spend that money wisely on, into some better centre-halves because they've got the goalkeeper there. They've got the wing fullbacks in Bellerin and Tinier, both solid options. In the middle of them, look, I don't really rate Shaka, but he's a solid option there. Looks At least looks like he's always committed. And then you've got the guys up front like Elliot Smith-Rowe and, and Saka who are, and, and Pepe really came into his own in the last couple of uh, games towards the back end of the season and I think they've got the formula there I just think it lacks they lack leadership I think that's the key ingredient that Arsenal really need if they're going to want to return to the glory days I've given for my report card for them I've given them a D minus Dom I'll go to you and then Sam your report card rating I've gone with a D as well for Arsenal, I think that despite ending up finishing in seventh, I think I say eighth, I should say, I think that they didn't play well. If you look at the gap between where I think Aston Villa who finished eleventh and then when Newcastle finished in twelfth, there was a big gap between those teams, which meant that really Arsenal had quite a lot of opportunity to win some easy games. And against the big teams, they didn't perform. As simple as that. Uh, probably a D plus. I think they've got a lot of good fortune coming towards them if they keep playing all the young players who will continue to grow and stuff. And if they sign Erdegaard on a permanent, then I think they're looking a little bit better. But yeah, the centre-back's the real question. Let's go to the next team. It is, Dom, your beloved Aston Villa. You and I tipped them to finish 15th. They ended up finishing 11th, so that's zero points for both of us. I gave them a B plus this year, and they showed solid development throughout the lineup, but in particular, I thought everyone going on about Jack Grealish, who's been carrying this team, I guess, in a, to a certain extent. Ollie Watkins, 14 goals, but my unsung hero for them was Emiliano Martinez, who ended up finishing third for clean sheets. Yeah, absolutely. Aston Villa had a fantastic season, uh, considering that they were one point off relegation last year. Where they went really well this season, and you just you just mentioned it there, Paul, is the recruitment in the off-season. You know, they spent a lot of money last season on players just to build out the squad, and everyone made a point of that, that, oh, these players aren't Premier League quality. But they weren't Premier League quality yet. And what they did was, instead of spending lots of money on loads of players again, they, they spent it on quality players because they knew they had the players there to provide the the top players with the the service that are required to win matches. The likes of Emiliano Martinez, who were second in the goalkeeper clean sheet standings, who I actually think was had a better season than Edison because of the because of the team that's that, that that they actually play in. Jack Grealish went to another level. Ollie Watkins proved that he can be Premier League quality and really I think should be on a plane to Europe to the Euros in a few weeks time based on his goal scoring form. And where El Ghazi went to another level, Burton Trio was pretty good as well. I gave him a B 
because they started so well. But when the COVID outbreak happened within the club, they really fell off. And they took a while. And when Jack Grealish went missing through injury for 12 games, they really struggled to find their rhythm again. But backed it up with two big wins to end the season over Spurs and Chelsea uh, which is not easy to do with both of the sides playing for European positions still almost ruined Chelsea's Champions League hopes the other night. But I don't think they quite made it. I think in actual fact, some of my fans that I know and are friends with them, even including myself, actually think they probably could have finished a little bit higher in the end. There was a lot of drop points there where in a different year with more experience, they probably could have ended up finishing a little bit higher. So not quite a B plus for me, but definitely a B, but considering from where they've come. Sam, the only thing I could find from this lineup, and we'll get your rating uh, as well from it, is that their discipline was not entirely there with one of their players in particular, John McGinn, being the only player, bottom one of three in the competition, to have been suspended twice for five yellow cards in a season. Yeah, they pl- they play good football, but I think, yeah, they can be quite aggressive. I think not having Jack Grealish for almost a third of the games... And to still finish 11th is pretty good, though. It's a tricky one, but I'd probably give them a B, I think. Let's go to the next team, Brighton Hove Albion, which is, Dom in a way, sort of become the home of now the football hipsters these days who have just absolutely latched onto Graham Potter these <laughs> days of the way that he plays. Uh, I tipped him to finish 14th. You tipped him to finish 17th. They ended up in 16th, so that's a point for yourself and zero for me. Yes, I'm ahead. And you're ahead. You're ahead by one at the moment. But there is some validity to the, the footballing hipsters. Uh, Lewis Dunn leading the midfield with 2,223 complete passes, putting him in the top 10 in the competition for completed passes. Not bad for a centre-half of the gap, is it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The, um, yeah, Brian had a good season. Um, I, I still gave him a D. I think that this squad underachieves and the way that uh, Graham Potter plays. They've got a good formula, but they lost a little bit of traction when they got rid of Matt Ryan. That's why they get a D, maybe a bit of a personal <laughs> feeling there for myself when they got rid of Matty Ryan and brought in Robert Sanchez. And he hasn't really been great yet, although I, I do raise him highly and I think will become very, very good. In terms of the way they played, they, they played great football, Brighton. It's frustrating that they can't turn it into consistent results. I just don't understand where they're lacking. You know, you've got Danny Welk back front, who's pretty decent quality. Neil Morpay, Leandro Trossard, Pascal Gross, Groves, I should say, or Pascal Gross, you know, guys like that in the midfield. Lewis Dunk at the back. Like, they've got some, they've got some quality. I, I just don't get why they can't finish higher up the table. And that's why, for me, I think, again, it's actually realistically a bit of a disappointing season. I gave him a C-. And Sam, yourself, the other thing I sort of noticed as well, 14 draws for them this season. Yeah, it's a tough one because they seem to have some quality, but they just can't seem to grind out results week on week. So I think probably, yeah, C- is probably fair. I think if they invested in some talent, they'd probably be five, six places higher, but they kind of just seem to be stale every year. So... It's a a tricky one for them. Where do they go next year, Dom? I think they need to invest in some strikers because Neil Morpay is not an out-and-out striker for them. No, he isn't. Danny Welbeck might get one more year too, but, you know, he's he's ageing and not producing the goals that he did when he was in a United shirt. Where do they go? I think they need some quality in the midfield, some defensive midfielders in particular, some holding midfielders, a bit of composure in the side to sort of help out that back line with Lewis Dunk. You know, he's not getting any younger. Uh, And, yeah, a a striker up front. So they've got the playmakers there. I just don't think they have that number number nine to, to really... Pick them, you know, good 15 goals a season. Like Villa had this year, for example. That was the difference. Ollie Watkins got 15 goals this year. They weren't many special ones, but he worked hard and he hounded people and he ran people down and got those goals through hard work. Brighton, he's one of those players. Let's go to the next team. It is Burnley. I tipped them to be ninth. Dom, you tipped them to be 10th. They finished 17th, so no points for either of us. And the question I throw to you first off was, did anything actually go well for this club this year? Chris Wood was the only thing that went well for this side this year. His goals in the back third of the season kept them uh, away from uh, relegation this year. Uh, they were really they were really boring again, Burnley this year. They I used to like the way, and they still like the way that Sean Dyche sets up. But this was the first year that I think they really they got a little lucky. You know, Chris Wood came to the party and scored some very valuable goals for them, but they lack some serious quality. Especially if they lose James Tarkovsky next season, 
because um, he's on the way out. You know, Dwight McNeil is a good quality player. I'm surprised teams like maybe even Everton or Leeds haven't come sniffing for him yet, even Villa for that matter. And then you've got guys up front like Chris Wood, who, you know, if he keeps scoring, teams are going to pick him up. They need some investment, especially with the, the sides that may be coming up as well this year. I'd be amazed if Sean Tyche does another job and keeps them in the Premier League. I gave them a D minus due to the lack of imagination, the lack of a plan B, and really what looks like a lack of a um, of a movement to go forward here. And you know, depending on the quality that happens next year, as you said, they could be favourites for relegation. Your rating, and then we'll go to Sam. I gave him a C. A C? That's generous. It was a little generous. Maybe a C minus. Mm. Now I'm thinking about it. Sam? I you're... just can't give yep. him anything less than a C because they have such poor resources. And I can't do that to Sean Dyche, my man Sean, because of what he does with his squad on minimum budget is is really extraordinary in the, this day and age in the Premier League. Uh, Sam, your rating? Yeah, I'd probably, oh, D plus, I think. I think it's next season they probably go down and Sean Dyche probably leaves. I think it's kind of similar to Stoke a few years ago, just kind of big, tall, strong players playing the long ball. Teams eventually get to work that out, and I think it's kind of coming to the end of the road. So, All we're missing now is Rory DeLapp coming back into the lineup. Let's go to the next team. It's Chelsea. Dom, you and I picked them to be fourth, and guess where they finished? It's uh, maximum points for both of us. That's two points each. Um, I gave them a B, man, on the basis that they did make the Champions League final, the FA Cup final. They did record the second highest number of clean sheets in the uh, in the competition. And the other thing I, I put it, I was a little bit generous with them for this season on the basis that I thought that they actually did struggle a little bit for depth play as this is the first full season out of that transfer ban. Chelsea, I gave a C plus in the end. I don't think they deserve to be on the basis that, yes, okay, they're in the Champions League final, but you have to ignore that because this is a Premier League review, right? And say, yes, they did get to an FA Cup final, but they lost it to Leicester. Yes, they have made it to next season's Champions League, but they were very fortunate because they lost on Monday morning, and if it wasn't for a Leicester capitulation against Spurs wouldn't be in the Champions League. They spent a lot of money this year and went with the Frank Lampard path and it didn't work at all. They made a very quick change to bring Thomas Tuchel in. He recovered it and has done a fantastic job and has really gotten them there. But to say that it was a B plus, I don't think so. I think other side, if I, you know, Spurs and Liverpool, and I know Liverpool ended up finishing above them, had better seasons. I don't think Chelsea even remotely close to a Champions League place. And Leicester really did bottle it in the end. Um, from one point being in second, uh, dropping all the way down to fifth within, within like a space of 12 games. I don't yeah. think they deserve that B rating, but they, they've done well to recover from a, a shocking start. Sam, your rating and your thoughts? Yeah, look, I probably give them a C plus. I think if you take out the Champions League final, it's not actually that great of a season. Because they spent, they spent what, 150 million, they bought Werner, they bought Havertz, neither have really done what they are expected to do, and that pretty much got Frank Lampard fired. I think they would have been aiming a lot higher than fourth after spending that amount of money. So, yeah, C plus for me, I think. Let's go down from, to go down to South London with Crystal Palace. I tipped them to be on the bubble in 17th place. Dom, you picked them to be 14th, and what do you know, you absolutely nailed it. So, Dom, that's two points for yourself and none for me and I gave him a C- minus, and I thought what went well for them was actually Michi Bachuai who I thought really held this team together and not necessarily Wilfred Zaha I don't think Michi Bachuai played all that much but definitely Christian Benteke found a groove this year and Wilfred Zaha played his part. The big signing this year was Abrizia Etsy, who had a very, very good first season in the Premier League. They're at a crossroads now, Palace. I've given them a C. I think they did okay with the squad that they have. They have some talent. You know, they've got the likes of Zaha, Etse, Ben Teke. But then there's not really much else, is there? They're, I don't know, like, where they kind of go from here, Crystal Palace. They've just... Moved on from Roy Hodgson after he did a, I think a fabulous job with again very little resources um, compared to some of the other Premier League clubs, and he now goes and it, they need to I think invest in the right person to take charge and also they need to bring in some more talent because yeah they finished fourteenth and they did play some good football in patches but I still just I don't know what their identity is Crystal Palace 
You know, you look at you look at Burnley, they're like rugged, they're hardcore, they they stick with you, you know, big center backs, they really, you know, they're really strong and they play that direct football, but Palace has a bit of both and it just I think lacks direction from time to time and I don't see them ever getting better than 14th, but I also don't see them ever getting worse than 14th if that makes sense. So I think that's why I finished with them up with the C. But an interesting time now with that changing at the helm uh, happening to see where they might go in 2021 and 2022. And Sam, to yourself, and at the start of a couple of years ago when they brought in Frank DeBoer, and what an unmitigated disaster that was for them. So where do you think they need to go in terms of that style? So I think, like, on their day, they play some really attacking football, really nice, great play, moving the ball nice and quick. But it's on those days where Etze and Zaha don't play well, not much goes right for them. So I do worry about them, because if they don't shore up the defence, they don't buy better midfielders, I could see them going down in the next couple of seasons. But I guess we'll see what happens. Let's move on to back up. The up the north side to Everton. I tipped them to finish 12th. Dom, you tipped them to finish 11th. They ended up finishing 10th. So that's another point for yourself, Dom. You're starting to stretch this lead a little bit at the moment. Uh, and in terms of where the rating, I gave them a C. My basis on that was they started the the season brilliantly until James Rodriguez picked up his injury and then they just never got started again. Yeah, it was interesting, wasn't it? It really looked like Everton were... Everton have been uh, on the precipice of making Champions League football for a couple of seasons now, ever since that uh, the new owners came in. But they haven't been able to quite take it to the next level yet. And I thought Ham- the signing of Hamas Rodriguez was going to do it. You thought that the first four rounds. They led the competition for about five weeks. And then, yeah, they lost to the Colombian just before November time and never recovered. It was just a slow downward slope. Picked up some good points, were much better than the rest below them. But yeah, I, I gave them a C plus. I think they played quite well this year and picked up some good wins and some good scouts. But yeah, I think, again, a bit like Villa, after the great start that they had, lost a couple of key players and then just lacked any kind of conviction, really, and just were happy to kind of... It almost felt like they made enough points and they were like, OK, let's just let's just see out the season. We're not going to get relegated. We'll probably get close to Europe. We'll fight for that. But if we fall short... Okay, who cares, you know? We'll try again next season. So I'm thinking, yeah, for Everton next season, Carlo Ancelotti, hopefully they stick with him for a couple more seasons. Hopefully he can bring in the right quality and they can take it from there. But yeah, they need they need another Hammers-Rodriguez signing. I think that'll be key for them moving forward. Because they've got the formula everywhere else. They've got the defence, they've got the guys behind him and Allen and Decore, but they need that creative spark to help Dominic Calvert-Lewin up front. The other one I wanted to bring up, Sam, we'll get your rating as well, is the goalkeeping department. Um, Jordan Pickford, much maligned now, almost to the same extent that Joe Hart was a few years ago. I mean, he's great with his feet. He can play out from the back fantastically, ping balls, through balls to the strikers, but with his hands, it's sceptical. Your thoughts on how Ancelotti has now done in his first full season. Do you think he's got what he needs, and where do you think he needs to move to go forward? Like Dom, I think losing Hammers early on in the season after their great start was um really tough for them. But to drop nine places after five weeks, I think 10th is quite low for them. At the start of the season, if you had said Arsenal or Everton with the signings that Everton made, who would be on top, I would have said Everton. So I think it's a little bit disappointing due to that. So I'd probably give them a C-, I think. Well, let's go to the next team. And I've finally been able to peg one back on you, Dom. It is Fulham. I tipped them to finish 18th, you tipped them 16th and just surviving, and they did end up finishing 18th, so that's two points to myself, none for yourself, Dom. For me, I gave them a D-, minus. I didn't expect them to go particularly well on the basis that it was virtually the same team that got them up into the championship from last year. I think the only positive that I could find about them is that for two, the teams that finished under 50 points... Fulham actually conceded the least number of goals, and I think a lot of that goes to... The credit for a lot of that should go to their goalkeeper, Tim Krull, who finished third for most saves this year. I think it's an interesting season for Fulham. I gave him an E for eliminated uh, in the, at the end. Uh, they did the opposite of what they did when they first came back into the Premier League two years ago, where they didn't spend any money at all on players... <laughs> so they didn't have any quality in the side whatsoever. They brought in Adamella Lookman, who looked 
good in patches for them throughout the season. Alexander Mitrovic just never, that was the problem. It just never been a Premier League quality. I think the time for him playing Premier League football is over. They need to bring in someone new if they were going to ever survive. Obviously, they started, brought in Scott Parker, um, who did a decent job. They, they played some good football here and there, but just, they just didn't have the quality at the end of the day. They didn't have the quality to win football matches. And for you, Sam, the, the interesting part, as Dom mentioned, was their woeful attack. Is this the end of Mitrovic? Like, I think he's a fantastic striker, but he really struggles against sort of better defenders. I think scoring in the championship is much easier than it is in the Premier League. So maybe he is just a great championship striker. That's probably fair enough in that regard, then, that he probably will do. Here's the other question we've then got, and we'll ask this to the other two teams a little bit later on. Uh, for both of you, are Fulham a chance of yo-yoing back up after next season, or do you think they're going to be on their way down? It'll be interesting to see who the final team will be to make it into the Premier League come this week, um, whether that be Brentford or Swansea. I'm not too sure yet. Can Fulham yo-yo straight back in? I don't know if they can be the one of the six. Uh, sorry, one of the two to qualify automatically, but they should definitely be a part of the six. That cup that will be competing to return to the Premier League in 2022, 2023. Yeah, I think what's a big factor is the amount of money they get from the Premier League for getting relegated. So it's whether they invest that in the right areas to build a squad that can come back up. So I guess we'll see. Let's go to the uh, the next team. It is Leeds United. I tip them to finish 13th. Dom, you finish. You tip them to finish. 13th as well. They ended up finishing 9th, so no points for each of us. But, Sam, I'm going to come to you to first off with your rating. Patrick Bamford, take a bow. Yeah, I mean, I have to give a B-plus to Leeds. I think to get promoted and to finish in the top 10 is a really good feat. Um, Bamford scoring heaps of goals. Calvin Phillips, defensive mid, has to go to the Euros. So, yeah, really exciting football they play. Love to watch them. I think there was a big debate of whether... Watching them is like, would you rather see them grind out results against some of the bigger teams or go play attacking football? And they kept playing attacking football. So I think for neutrals able to watch them, they're just a fantastic team to watch. Tom Rizzuto, you're, you're rating for them. I gave them an A. And while everyone was going on about Bamford, Raf, Rafina and Eiling, I thought Ilan Meslier in goals was outstanding for them as well. I gave them an A. and it, I hate it. I hate giving them an A. I hate giving Leeds an A because everyone bogs on about how great it was having them back in the Premier League and oh god I was over it after a while. I've come to the dark side. I've come to join the dark side. They had a great season. They finished in the top ten and the way that they play football, the Beesler ball, is quite remark- remarkable. It reminded me of Claudio Ranieri's Leicester in 2016. Just constantly harrying and pressing and always wanting to go forward, not ever thinking about sitting back and, and, and maybe just taking a one-goal lead. It was really exciting to watch. Yes, I think the squad needs a little bit of tinkering with, you know, especially if Calvin Phillips has to end up going back to Manchester City full-time. I think they, Leeds will might try to acquire him personally because I don't know how he'd fit into that Manchester City squad of stars. But they want to go to the next level, obviously, Leeds. Um, they'll welcome back fans to Ellen Road, which will be massive for the Premier League too. But... They need more players. I think they need more depth if they want to go forward uh, from ninth next year. They've got some real quality players. If they can keep them, especially like the likes of Rafinha and Bamford, but they need players to give them rests from time to time and it can fit into that system because I think that's where they got stuck a little bit from time to time. You could just see that fatigue setting in and it's because they didn't have the players to kind of chop and change with like the big six do. Let's go on to our last team before we go to our break, and it is Leicester City. I tipped them to finish sixth. Dom, you tipped them to be, to finish fifth, and fifth is where they ended up. So a point for myself and two points for you. And Brendan Rodgers has got them humming along quite nicely, especially with the third-best attack in the competition. Leicester City, uh, what a shame that they didn't finish in the Champions League football positions, Champions League ladder positions this season. I gave them a B plus. They won the FA Cup first time in their history uh, which was a remarkable achievement. Uh, they do play the best football, in my mind, out of any of the teams inside that uh, top six that aren't part of, sorry, in the top, top table that aren't part of that 
top six and you know they do it on a on a much smaller budget. Uh, Brendan Rodgers has done a fantastic job there. They don't get the A plus or the A because they did capitulate. Let's be honest. The last third of the season, they lost Jamie Vardy and they lost their way a little bit. They just didn't quite see it out. And you look at sides like United, you know, with the quality they have, they were slipping too, but they saw it out. They saw themselves out to second, right? Chelsea and Liverpool were finishing strong. United figured out how to see out the games that they that, that they needed to win, and Leicester didn't. And that comes with a culture. You know, United is used to finishing higher up the table on a consistent basis, unlike Leicester. And not only that, tears don't fear to play Leicester yet, if that makes sense. You know, United still has that that image and that brand of a of a football winning club. And teams still, when you see when they go there, like the likes of Leeds or Aston Villa or Everton, they go, or and even the lower clubs, they go to Man United and they just expect that they're not going to get anything out of it. Whereas when teams go and play Leicester, they think that they can beat them because it's Leicester. And I think that's where they kind of still haven't quite managed to lift themselves up into that consistency of, let's say, and make themselves a top seven, which will come. But for that main reason, they don't get my A rating, and it's a B plus, but still a magnificent season. They're in Europa League uh, for another year, which is great for them. They should be able to attract some decent talents. Their squad will remain the same, and Brendan Rodgers can build and have another crack. I gave them a rating of an A minus, and Sam, yourself, the Foxes, having a oh. decent year and then picking up the FA Cup to boot. Yeah, it's a tricky one because there's two ways to look at it. All the other big sides, the big six, you say, have such bigger budgets and squad depths than them, but they were six points clear at one point, a fourth in third. So, and that's two years in a row where they've capitulated at the end and not made the top four. So, while they capitulated, I think their budget comes into it a lot. So, I'm going to give them a B plus. And that's pretty much where Dom ended up as well. So, all right, we're going to go to our break. And before we go, Sam, hopefully you've been doing the tally so far. Where do we end up at the halfway mark? So, Dom's on nine and Caruso's on six. So, Dom's got a little bit of a lead as we go into the second half. Let's go to that break. You are listening to Splinters, the Bench Podcast, with thanks to Atlas Chartered Accountants and the Hornsby Guy Post. Right here on Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube, Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. Of course, we do it all for the Hornsby Guy Post and Atlas Chartered Accountants. Anthony Caruso with Dom Rizzuto and our special guest Sam Hodges from Northbridge FC and we're doing our wrap of the 2020-21 EPL season we're now going to get into the second half of the season. We now come to Liverpool. I tipped them to finish first. Dom, you tipped them to finish second. They ended up in third, so that's another point for Dom Rizzuto. And I gave them a B, and plain and simple, Dom, I thought it was injuries, and in particular, the injury to Virgil van Dijk. Yeah, it was a very disjointed season for Liverpool. And for for me, I also gave them a B purely on the fact of that they managed to recover in the fashion that they did. Uh, the goal that Allison scored from the corner against uh, West Brom, I think it was, will, will, is a sight to behold in the history of football. You know, it, the way that they kind of rallied was very, very impressive. And I think if they don't have the injuries that they had this year, they probably do get closer to Manchester City. That being said, though, they still lost 7-2 to Aston Villa with Virgil van Dijk in the team. So I think the problems were persisting there before the injury crisis kicked in. But having the injuries then compounded the the, la- the kind of almost like the, the premiership hangover that they had. They may have been able to recover quicker if they had those players there, but they still didn't start well. You know, they had the 4-3 at Liverpool, which was very, sorry, over Leeds was very exciting, but very un-Liverpool-like, you know, the the thrashing that Villa gave them, they they didn't look strong. And again, like I said, the injuries came in, 
didn't help them out. But finished magnificently. Some of those players came back and made a big difference for them and finished it back in the Champions League, which I think about four weeks ago they were in eight. So incredible turnaround from the Reds and, and, and a well-deserved B rating, I think, in the end, considering the, the roller coaster which was this season for them. Yeah, and that's what I gave them as well. It was a B. Sam, your thoughts on them? So I think Liverpool did actually amazing to finish in the Champions League. Like, I agree with Dom. I think four or five weeks ago, they're in eighth. They lost like five or six games at home in a row. And I think they had more, like more than 20 new centre-back pairings throughout the season with Henderson having to play centre-back, Fabinho having to play centre-back. And I think with all those injuries, no Matip, no Gomez, no Van Dijk for most of the season, like, I think it's actually pretty incredible they managed to finish third. I think, like, Leicester were, like, more than 10 points ahead of them only a few months ago. So, yeah, got to give them a B-plus, I think. Some very positive signs from there. Where do they go Where do they go for this next year? I just simply think they need to... Buy more depth, especially in defence. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Even even that's a little harsh, I think, Caruso, because they lost so many players. Um, they had like eleven players out at one point. There was like lost half. They lost half their squad at one point. Where do they go from here? Keep the squad intact. I think that there'll be question marks over whether Salah and Mane stay. I don't know if either one of them will stay, especially with the emergence of Diego Jota, which will be interesting to see whether they all stay. Uh, what, what do they do with Roberto Firmino? I mean, there's some big off-season transfers, I think, that are going to happen this year. You know, you've got the likes of Erling Haaland, who have come out and, and played brilliantly for Dortmund. Kylian Mbappe wants to move on from PSG. Ronaldo wants to leave Juventus. There's plenty of players out there that could probably take Liverpool to another level. But they they need to, I think, keep the squad that they have first before and add in rather than rip and replace. Um, I think next year, with the full squad, they're absolutely the number one and two teams in the league, and they, they continue to go down this path. Uh, with with Jürgen Klopp, I, I see them having a great rival with Manchester City and Pep Guardiola for a few years to come. Where do they go? I think just keep it the same. Let's go to the next team. It is Manchester City. I tipped them to finish second. Dom, you tipped them to finish first, and uh, first is where they ended up. So a point for myself and Dom, two points for you. You've started off brilliantly in this second half. Uh, and for me, what went well this year, Sam, for them, was their mid-season form that saw them go 26 matches unbeaten. That really did set up their premiership win. Yeah, I think that's three Premier League titles in the last four seasons. So absolutely incredible. Of course, they have the biggest budget, but they play the best football as well in my eyes. So, yeah, got to give them an A, I think. And to get in the Champions League final as well, I assume they win it. I think they're favourites over Chelsea, who are a good side, but I don't know if they can match City in that kind of game. So, yeah, really great season for them. De Bruyne are just the best player in the league by a mile, in my opinion. So, And Dom, I, I gave them an A, not quite the A+, plus because you'd expect them with this lineup to be able to be competitive. Edison ended up top in the clean sheets, but for mine, I thought the reason why they performed as well as they did was that midfield led by Kevin De Bruyne, Rodrigo Hernandez, and Ruben Diaz. That last name you mentioned was the reason why they ended up finishing where they did. Because remember, they didn't have a flash start themselves, Manchester City. They were looking a little bit short. Than, and that's when we thought, you know, what what has the world come to? You know, Liverpool and, and Manchester City weren't inside the top ten, and the table was being led by Everton and Aston Villa. And that didn't happen just for like one or two rounds. That happened for a good six or seven. So, I mean, there wasn't a lot of conviction from Manchester City to start with, but the signing of Ruben Diaz was sensational. Rightfully winning, will probably win player of the season. His partnership, he took John Stones to another level this year, and it was the reason that that Manchester City won the league, was the acquisition of him. It was funny how Liverpool lost the world's best defender and then City found one, and that's where the title came from. It's a massive, it, 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 defense wins your titles. It doesn't matter how many years that you play, you always win, it wins your titles. Pep Guardiola has never been known to have a defensive team, but when he's got the right center backs, he does it, he can, who can play in his system, then he, they're very, very difficult to beat. And that's what he found in John Stones and Ruben Diaz and that's the reason why they won. A plus for me. I think the the way that they played was was truly incredible. They did it with without a striker for most of the season too. Let's go to the red side of Manchester. It is Manchester United. 
Dom, you and I tipped them to finish third, and they ended up in second place. That's a point each there. I gave them a B plus. Um, I think we've we've seen how good Bruno Fernandez has been, and he has really carried this team forward, scoring 18 goals, 21 assists. Marcus Rashford was okay with nine assists this year. I, I just wonder though, has Ole Gunnar Solskjaer taken this team as far as he can? He can. I don't know about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I, my, I feel like the jury's still out. He's done a very good job with this with the squad that he's got. They've got a couple of players in there that don't, I think, even deserve to be playing in in an Aston Villa shirt, let alone a Manchester United shirt, considering the quality that they have. The signing of Bruno Fernandes was very good, and Edison Cavani really came into his well-best in the back end of the season, which helped them out. I gave them an A, I think, with that they played some very, very good football this season and deserved to finish inside that top four. Had Liverpool not been decimated by injury, I don't think they're as good. We saw that in the shellacking they got only a few weeks back at the hands of uh, of, the, of the Reds. Where did they go from here? Well, look, they need to find out what they want to do with Paul Pogba, how and where he's going to play in this system that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has. The better side with him in it, but it's just where do you play him to make him most effective. They need a better centre-holding midfielder. They need someone to partner Harry Maguire. And they need to figure out the goalkeeping situation. Dean Henderson, after his great season at Sheffield, hasn't played that well for United. And I thought De Gea had a better season and probably should have played more games. Luke Shaw and Juan Bissaka look like they'll be there for the next 10 years, which is good for them. And they probably need to give Bruno Fernandes some more options up front as well. They've got a good squad, and they've got a squad that should be playing Champions League every season, but they need to acquire some some more talent to compete with the likes of Manchester City. They, in the end of the day, the reason why they didn't get an A-plus was because they weren't even remotely close to Manchester City's point tally in the end. Sam, your thoughts on the Red Devils? Yeah, so I gave them a B plus. I think finishing second in the Premier League, very good effort. I don't think many people would have thought that at the start, given City and Liverpool. I don't know if they'll come close to first next season. I think relying on Cavani up top is risky. I think you needed a proper striker not to re-sign him. I think Lindelof needs to go. I don't think he's good enough. And I don't think the two holding mids, Fred and McTominay, are good enough to win a Premier League either. I get worried with them maybe signing West Ham's Declan Rice. But, yeah, I think there's some clear and obvious improvements that could be made to really help them propel them to the title. Let's go to the next team. It is Newcastle United. I tipped them to finish 16th. Dom, you tipped them for 18th and for relegation. And after the start of the season they had, we thought they were gone for all intents and purposes. Steve Bruce has dragged this squad to 12th place, so no points there. For mine, they have overachieved this year. I've given them a rather generous A, Dom. That is generous. B, for me, they finished in 12th, which has surprised many, but I don't know why we are surprised, because an unheralded talent, managerial perspective, is Steve Bruce. He's once again shown that he is, I think, one of the most unluckiest managers in English football he's never been ever given a budget anywhere he's been and has always produced results you know he's at Newcastle with Mark Ashley in charge on minimum budget and he's picked up some really good players during the season to help him out Joe Willock for Arsenal um, scoring seven and seven um, to finish off the season helping them a little bit he got Callum Wilson up to Newcastle shame that he didn't stay on the pitch for long enough because he was fantastic when he was playing Got a little bit more out of Jolington up front. And then, you know, they've got a strong back fours. You know, I think they, again, big overachievers, really. And 12th, I think, <laughs> is probably not where they should be on paper. But under Steve Booth, they've done it again. They've, they've proved the doubters wrong. No no real in significant standout for, for Newcastle United, Sam. But then again, a very workmanlike performance from them to see them through for another season. Yeah. Agreed. Very workmanlike. I don't think they were necessarily the 12th best team in the league. I just think everyone below them was just worse than them, and I think they got quite <laughs> lucky. Yes, yes so true. Um, I think they got really lucky with Joe Willock. I think that was a gamble. I don't think anyone expected him to score seven goals in seven games at the end, including some vital goals to sort of win matches. I think he scored two or three goal-winning games. Yeah, I'll give him a B. 
I really think they need to strengthen and they really need a new manager and probably new owners if they want to finish any higher than that and not go down, I guess. Let's go to the next team. It is Sheffield United, and we talk about Newcastle United surprising us in terms of their performance. Dom, where did we go wrong with this? I tipped 10th, you tipped 9th, and they came stone motherless last. F. A big F. Can I get an F in the chat? For Sheffield United, I think at the end of the day, I think we were we were sold a dream by Sheffield last year. No one expected them to be as good as they were. They performed valiantly and surprised a lot of team and played with confidence. This year, everyone was expecting them to be as good as they were last year and were prepared for it, and just had too much quality and realised that they had too much quality for them. And Sheffield didn't invest in the off season to try and stay in the Premier League because suppose a sort of false sense of security that you know they can do it on a you can be Premier League contenders on a on a low budget like Burnley, but it doesn't work happen like that overnight, right? And they got found out, and that's why they finished last. Sam, are you joining them, giving them the fail? And I guess the question for a mind is, and I'll throw it to yourself, Dom, as well. Do they have the ability to yo-yo back up, or is this going to be a um? A two-year stay, and that's the last we're going to see of them for some time. Unfortunately, I think this is probably the last we're going to see of Sheffield for a while. I think first season, they were really good, and because they were new in the Premier League, teams didn't really know what to do. They did, They kind of caught everyone by surprise, but I think second season, the amount of backroom staff teams have watching games, watching tape, working them out, and they just got found out this season. They couldn't play the way they wanted to, and that unfortunately leaves them at 20th. Dom, do you think they come back up? Uh, not straight away, but I think that there's there's an ability for them to come back. But I think a lot of it came down to Chris Wilder, and now that he's not there anymore, it'll be difficult, I think, to find a replacement for him and, and, and find the squad again to take him back up in, in uh, quick time. Let's go to the next team. Another team, I think, in, in some ways, we got sold a dream. It is Southampton. I tipped <laughs> them a... I tipped them a what turned out to be a very extravagant eighth place. Dom, you tipped them 12. They ended up in 15th place, but it should be noted at one point, they led the premiership for two weeks. They did, and then they were crippled by injury, and then were playing James Ward-Prowse at right back. And I don't know how that came to be, but it was disastrous for them. And you just fell in a heap, and you never recovered from it. Danny Ings lost his touch in front of goals as well which didn't help and I don't know what it is you just didn't have any almost like you you ran half the marathon in you know in in three minutes but then only ran the the last half in 12 days so (laughs) it's it's a team it's a team that I'm I'm giving them a C minus here Harsh on my side, but you're right. First off, injuries absolutely crippled them at one point, and we should make note of the 9-0 loss that they had against Manchester United, where it should be noted that they did play a defensive lineup completely made of kids and not a single starting defender in that lineup there, apart from James Ward-Prowse even having to drop back to to give them a hand. This team just suffered depth. Yeah, um, I think I see a lot of similarities with Palace, which is not surprising considered 14th and 15th were the two places they finished. I think when you have two or three really good players in your side and they don't fire, you're you're screwed. And I think when Danny Ings doesn't fire, when Che Adams got injured, when Oriol Romeo got injured, they didn't have much creativity. Nathan Redmond didn't have the greatest season, played really bad last night against West Ham. So I think... That Premier League mentality of relying on two or three great players every week for a lower league side in the table is just risky. Where do they go next, Dom? I just think they need they need to invest in some depth, and they need to oh, invest yeah. in some quality depth. That's the simple answer, mate. Invest in depth. Let's go on to Tottenham Hotspur. I tipped them to finish fifth. Dom, you tipped them to finish eighth. They ended up in seventh place, and I'll tell you what, they weren't far off from ending up in that eighth place, so that's a point to Dom. For mine, Son Heung-min again stood out for, for them. Harry Kane, absolutely outstanding up front. But once again, we've just seen that when they don't fire, there's no plan B for Spurs. And that ended up resulting in the sacking of Jose Mourinho. Spurs took a double gamble this year in Jose Mourinho and Gareth Bale. You know, both kind of fairy tale Premier League 
scenarios within the club. You know, you had Jose Mourinho who had come back to, to, to coach Spurs in what was arguably probably going to be his last run in the Premier League if it went badly wrong. It did go badly wrong. They brought Gareth Bale back, the boy that, you know, took him to that next generation of, of Spurs as a professional football club, and both of them failed miserably. You know, Mourinho couldn't get the squad firing. He got players offside. They didn't like the way he played. Gareth Bale didn't get on with Mourinho after returning um, from Real Madrid. And was, wasn't fit for at least the first half of the season and wasn't up to scratch. I saw him in the first couple of games. He looked, I looked fitter than he did, which is saying something. It, it didn't work. Harry Kane obviously didn't look like he wanted to be there anymore. Still doesn't. And, you know, that's the biggest question which we'll talk about now moving forward is he's probably out the door considering the season that they had. They've got no European football. Well, that's a lie. They do have European football. They have the Europa Conference League to look forward to. So that's exciting for all Spurs fans. Song Yumin and his partnership with Kane looked like that they were going to be uh, taking him towards a triumphant Premier League title, but it just didn't happen in the end, did it? They did lead the league at one point under Mourinho and then they lost that one game to Liverpool where they lost in the last minute and it was just downhill from there. The confidence just got zapped out of him and they just couldn't recover. And I think the the way that Mourinho was playing the team just was just whiplash or whipped by the press in the UK and fans alike and it just didn't settle and eventually it caught up with them and they had a very, very disappointing end to the season despite the big win uh, the other night over Leicester to deny them a Champions League spot. I gave them a B minus. Dom, what would what did you give them? I gave them a C minus. C Sam, your thoughts? Um, the only other shining light I could see for them was the form of Pierre Emil Hoiberg, who really has had a renaissance since leaving the South Coast. Yeah, I think Hoiberg was a fantastic signing, especially in the first half of the season. He was just such a Mourinho kind of player, just there, um, snarling at everyone, dirty tackles, winning the ball. I think he was a perfect Mourinho signing. Unfortunately, yeah, second half of the season, they just lost confidence in Mourinho, stopped playing for him, which is probably Mourinho's fault. We can all see that. It's happened before. Um, yeah, tough season. I think they could have, they should, they were in a Champions League position for a lot of the season and they let that fall away. So yeah, probably a C, I think. And with Kane leaving, I don't see the future getting any brighter for them, I don't think. Let's get into the last three teams. The next one is West Bromwich Albion. I tipped them to finish 19th. Dom finished, tipped them to finish 19th, and that's exactly where they finished up. So, Dom, I think that's the second team you and I have tipped absolutely correctly. So, two points for both of us there. And, again, we mentioned it before with West Brom and with a couple of the other teams around that relegation fight, was there anything that you could hang your hat on that would say that they could bounce straight back up next year. I think West Brom are in a better position to bounce back up than, let's say, Sheffield are. Uh, and I think they've got the top dollar. If they keep the team that they have now, I think this is a, they're a championship team. There's no doubt about it. But again, side that didn't invest very well in the season. Sack Slavin Bilic brought in Sam Allardyce to think that he could resurrect them, but it was a little too late for Big Sam to come in and do any kind of work. And... Again, his style of management is long gone, in, you know, nowadays. It's, it's almost, it is like a, a fairy tale, those kind of, you know, old school English managers coming in and, uh, and saving the day almost. And it just, it just didn't happen for them. I gave them a fat F. I thought they were rubbish this season. I don't think I ever watched a game thinking, God, this is a good game of football by West Brom. They that, I think there was that one game where they beat Chelsea 5-2. That was about as exciting as it got for West Brom. And that may at one point look like they may have <laughs> do the miracle run, but didn't ever eventuate. And I think they got what they what, what was coming to them. You don't invest in Premier League, you don't get to stay there. It's as simple as that. It's a shame. This is the way football is. The other part for me, Sam, that um, that that we saw from them. By the way, for the record, I did give them a D. I thought that that was about fair for where they were going to end up. Uh, the biggest sign they pulled out for this year was uh, during the course of the last year or so has been Charlie Austin, and I just think his his career in the Premier League is over. Yeah, you'd have to agree, and it's not like he didn't have anyone behind him who could create for him. They had um Mateus Pereira, who got eleven goals, six assists. I think he's the shining light. I think he's an amazing player, left footed. 
so quick, so skillful. But yeah, I think it was a really interesting season. I think sacking, they preemptively sacked Slavin Bilic before the Man City game when they ended up getting a draw. So that didn't look great on them to get a draw against City and then sack their manager. But yeah, I'd have to give them a D minus just getting relegated. I think they had a few good players, but yeah, just not enough depth in the squad to really push to stay in the league. Let's go to the next team. And, Dom, I think you and I are going to have to hang our heads in shame with this next one here. <laughs> West Ham United. This is the worst tip of the lot. Sam on the call as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I saw you this coming, I, don't worry. You, you saw it coming. You saw this coming. We both tipped them to finish Stone Motherless last, and they somehow end up qualifying for Europe. Incredible. Incredible season by, by West Ham. I gave him a B plus, but now I think about it, an A is probably more fitting. David Moyes. I gave done him an A plus. Wonders with this team. But again, same as Villa. Well, it was, they played each other on the final day. Like last, in the last season, and the, the draw secured both their safety for another season and both of them have just gone and turned it on and West Ham even more so. Um, the signings of, of Sufal, Thomas Sujek, Jesse Lingard through, halfway through the season, the incredible pieces of business by, once again, the magician David Moyes. Um, and were at one point, again, a, a chance for Champions League but just fell a little bit short in the end. Incredible season. Mikel Antonio, again, another player who should be saying, put me on a plane. I want to go to the Euros. Uh, I think he's a great, he's a different sort of player to the ones that they have up front. Desi Lingard proved that, put him in a right shirt in a better environment, that he is a good player. Jared Bowen, again, very, very good right winger who went to another level. Uh, and finally, I think they found a, an answer for not having a, a number 10 like Dimitri Payet and, and found an actual uh, a team full of quality rather than a one-man show, and it proved to be very successful in this season. I gave it an A plus. I thought um, I thought for West Ham, Adam Cresswell getting up there for the assists, but the revelation for them this year, Sam, was Jesse Lingard of all people. Yeah, nine goals and four assists in sixteen matches. I mean, he's back. I love everything about him. I think he's a fantastic player. I think he should go to the Euros. I don't think he should start, but I think he's just such a good player to have in the dressing room. He's fun. He loves to dance. I just think he really brought the whole squad together and really helped that second half of the season. It's amazing that we're saying that about him, considering how off-maligned he is. But you're right that in terms of the team spirit and the impact he has, you know, it can be a very positive feel. And you only need to see the, the antics he used to get up with with the likes of Marcus Rashford and Danny Ings uh, in that England squad. All of a sudden, people were having fun in that squad. Yeah, exactly. I think it's such a big part of just the culture. I think having a good culture in a football squad makes such a big difference. I think when teams lose going into the dressing room and just getting shouted at and everything, I feel like it's hard for them to motivate themselves. But I guess with West Ham, even bad results, they've still got this guy to make them laugh, make them happy, get motivated for the next game. And I think that's a really big thing for West Ham and probably for England. Let's go to the last team. It is Wolverhampton Wanderers. I tipped them to finish fifth. Dom, you said sixth, and they ended up a disappointing 13th. Although it has to be said that they were impacted quite badly to, by the injury to Raul Jimenez. I give them a B minus. I think they did as well as they could, considering he wasn't there and thought Rui Patricio again was immense in goals. Yeah, the, the loss of Raul Jimenez up front was devastating for this side and they never really recovered. It was a very disappointing season for them. They, I gave them a C. I think that um, considering the way that they've kind of performed in the seasons since coming back into the Premier League Wolves, this would be a bit of a disappointing result for them. I think the loss of Diego Jota was um, a, a big difference for them as well. Adama Traore, well, I think he's a quality player. But he had a good season last year, let's be honest. And I think this year, teams have gone, okay, yeah, he's strong, he's quick, but he's not got a great touch. He's not really a defender. Uh, He doesn't do the defensive parts of his job. And I think that's where they kind of got a bit found out a little bit in the end. Um, They just didn't have the goals in them as well, which they usually do. They've still got some quality players there, and I think if they invest well, they'll, they'll be back up there. And again, as I mentioned, on many occasions, they... 
they get all the discounted Portuguese players because they're owned by half of Portugal, essentially. So I don't think they'll have any problems finding some quality uh, coming into the squad. Pedro Neto looks like a, a well-beater um, in the next couple of, of seasons. They do lose, though, the biggest loss for this season uh, comes at the end of the, scene, uh, end of the campaign. Nuno Espirito Sanchez will be moving on from... Uh, his job in charge of the club so it'll be interesting to see who they pick up in replacement because he did such a fabulous job it's going to be hard to find a coach that can emulate those results and also you've got to and hit the ground running fast they're going to have to give him time and or her time you never know they might pick up a female coach weirder things that happen in the premier league but i don't know if wolves will have that patience with a new coach and that's where they're going to be in a very difficult phase next season. Let's give credit to you, Sam, to I think one of the one of the best minds in the Premier League at, at the moment. Unfortunately, he is leaving in Nuno Espirito Santo. Um, he has done absolute wonders at, at Wolverhampton. He leaves with his, even though they've had a disappointing year this year, he leaves with his reputation and hands, and you could see him going on to bigger and better things in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, I think he's an absolutely fantastic manager. And I think if you look at his squad, I don't think there's any actual world-class players. I think it's a squad of good players, and they just worked really well. And I think they're unlucky this season in the in our evaluation of them um, because I think they really overachieved the past couple of seasons. Big players stepped up. Adrama Traore had a massive season last season. Jota was so good. And when those players don't shine, I think they are kind of an average squad. Yes, they've got some quality, but the whole team is probably sixes and sevens, no nines, no tens. So I think sort of between ninth and fifteenth is sort of their range. I'm not sure they'll go higher again, especially without such a good manager, but I guess we'll see how we go. Before we go, Sam, you've been tallying the scores, and I shudder to think, but I feel that Dom has won the predictions this year. Yeah, Dom's taken it away in the second half with 17 compared to Caruso's 10. Was there any doubt that that was going to be the case, Caruso? I mean, come on. You're always the the, the underdog in this situation. <laughs> Look, this is this is true, but, you know, it's, there were a couple of results that really did surprise us this year. We'll leave it on this last thing. The, the surprise for this year and then your audacious call for next year. My surprise for this year was simply how good West Ham went this year. I thought they were going to get relegated. They finished sixth. It's absolutely amazing. My audacious call for next year is that Harry Kane leaves Tottenham and he will be over at Manchester City. I don't think that's as audacious as you think it is, Caruso. I think that's bad. He will be at one of the Manchester clubs. They're the only two teams that can afford to pay for him. Um, Which one he goes to... I'm not too sure. I think Manchester City is the logical destination for him. I think it works perfectly. He gets to go into a squad that's pretty much already established. They need a striker to replace Sergio Aguero, whereas United, I think, would need a player to build for the future and build a team because they're not. City has spent years developing this world-class team, whereas United are getting there. And I think bringing in Harry Kane will do them wonders, but I think they're actually better off investing in the future. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But I actually think he looks better in a United shirt, and I think he'll suit their system better. However, my surprise for this season, look, I'm going to be biased, but I'm going to go with my incredible Aston Villa and their 7-2 win over Liverpool at the start of the of the season. That was my standout moment of the year. Took everyone by surprise uh, and, and was just absolutely great to see. And my big call for next year, so tough. I have so many ridiculous ones, but I want to do something a bit more sensible like you, Caruso. So I'm going to call it here. I am going to say Arsenal and Spurs won't finish in the top 10 next season. Wow. That's Off huge. the back of your prediction. That's, actually, that's, actually, that's actually decent there. Sam, your final thoughts and your surprise and bold prediction for next year. I actually think my biggest surprise of the season was Chelsea losing to Aston Villa on the final night. I think <laughs> I was I surprised too. I woke up. <laughs> like I, I was actually watching the game, um, and I was just like, I can't believe this. Like, do they not want to finish fourth? I think they got lucky to get a goal in the end, and I was really surprised that they didn't win that game. 
because um, of what was on the line. And they got lucky that Leicester lost. Wow. Um, and my prediction for the next season, even though this may not be so surprising, I Newcastle finished 12th, five places clear, but I think they go down next season, especially if they keep Bruce. I just think Mike Ashley won't invest, and I just think they're going down. Oh, you know what? I hope that happens, just so Mike Ashley does finally give up on the club. Yeah, and I just think Joe Willock leaving, he was a big factor in them finishing 12th in the end, I think. Yeah, I just don't see how they stay up anymore. Oh, God, one can only hope that happens. Ladies and gentlemen, that is full-time here on Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. And we do we do it all for the Hornsby Korean Guy Post and Atlas Chartered Accountants. My thanks to Dom Rizzuto and Sam Odgers for joining us here from the Northbridge Bulls. On behalf of them, I'm Anthony Caruso. Run hard or run home. Good night. We'll